Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live off-season show. Those of you joining us live from YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, well, Twitter, I guess I should call it. Welcome in. Appreciate you guys. I know it's the middle of the off-season right now, but it's Monday night. We got to talk some Lakers basketball. And I know it's Labor Day. Happy Labor Day, everybody. But no rest for Lakers Nation. We got to make sure that we're talking Lakers basketball. The season's almost here. Can you believe it? We're just a few weeks away from training camp and then the preseason games. I'm ready for it. Bring it. We need Lakers basketball back. I will admit, though, the NFL season starting up on on uh, Thursday, just a few days away. That's going to help hold me over. And I know you're a lot of you are thinking the same thing. If you're listening to the podcast version of this over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, make sure you do follow us. Give us a rating, a review. I do check those reviews all the time, so make sure you guys do rate and review us over there. If you are joining live tonight, I will be taking questions and comments. Remember, if you want to make sure that your question gets read, if you're over on YouTube, send it in a super chat. That's your way to make sure that your question does get read. But tonight, I want to start off. Actually, I should start off by telling you guys, follow the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, the LakersNation.com YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and turn on notifications. That way you get notified when we go live. Sometimes during the season, stuff happens and we go live. And it'll be at kind of an odd time because we tend to jump on things right when news breaks. So make sure you are subscribed and turn on those notifications. Very important. And while you're at it, you might as well subscribe to the NBA front office show and turn on notifications there as well. That show is growing like crazy. I'm so proud. We're about to hit 10,000 followers over there. And Keith Smith and I just started up that show recently. So we've been having a lot of fun with that covering the entire NBA. But tonight, I want to start off with DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, look, the, a lot of Lakers fans right now are kind of on the fence at best, at best about DeAndre Jordan. I've got, I put out the poll on Instagram. I put it up on the Lakers Nation Instagram account. I also put it up on my Instagram account at Trevor Lane NBA, uh, asking whether people would rather have Damian Jones or DeAndre Jordan. And... Damian Jones on my account actually won on the Lakers Nation account. DeAndre Jordan won because the Lakers, according to Mark Stein, wanted Damian Jones. Beginning of the summer, that was their plan, was for Damian Jones to get, well, have his option not picked up by the Sacramento Kings, and then they were going to bring him back. And it didn't go the way they wanted it to. Sacramento picked up his option. Sacramento has, by the way, five centers, I believe, on their roster right now. Crazy, but regardless, Sacramento picked up the option and the Lakers' plan was foiled. Maybe Sacramento picked up the option just because they knew what the Lakers' plan was. But regardless, the Lakers wanted Damian Jones. Instead, they're getting DeAndre Jordan. And a lot of Lakers fans, I've seen people making a lot of negative comments about this signing. And by the way, it's not officially done yet. should be done anytime now. He just has to clear waivers. Remember, today is a holiday. So in terms of getting business done, probably going to happen tomorrow. But anyway... DeAndre Jordan coming to the Lakers. This is going to happen. Um, And a lot of people are saying he's washed, right? Based on what he did with the Nets, he just doesn't have it anymore. And I think that's probably, it's probably an honest assessment, right? When you look at what he provided last year for the Nets, we think of DeAndre Jordan in his prime, the, the best version of DeAndre Jordan. It's just this lob threat at the rim and this great defensive presence blocking everything. The Nets were actually better defensively last season with DeAndre Jordan off the floor, not on it. There's reason for concern. But I will say that from the Lakers' perspective, the positive side to this, right? If we're going to look at the glasses have full approach, the benefit for the Lakers to add a guy like DeAndre Jordan is that you're kind of mimicking what you had when you won an NBA championship. Talking about Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. By having your combo, and we'll talk about what's going to happen with Marcus Gasol, but by having your combo be DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard. Very, very similar skill sets, right? Finish lobs, set hard screens, protect the paint, rebound the basketball. That's that's pretty much the entire job description, right? For this type of center. Marcus Gasol is going to shoot threes, Okay. These two guys, they mimic each other's skill sets. And that is what the Lakers did when they won an NBA championship. They had Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, who mimicked each other's skill sets. So I think there's a just a comfort there. 
a comfort with having two centers who both do kind of the same thing. Now, of course, if Anthony Davis is really going to play more minutes at the five, and by the way, if you guys saw the picture of him at SeaWorld, it's not like he's Arnold Schwarzenegger now. It's not like he's just got muscles all over the place. He looks like he's filled out a little bit to me. Okay, not like he's put on a ton of muscle, but he looks like he's filled out just a bit like he has been indeed doing that off-season workout program. I think he's probably going to play quite a bit in the middle, which then leads you to, well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with Dwight, with DeAndre Jordan? How many minutes are these guys actually going to play? I think that's the key here. DeAndre Jordan, you're probably talking about him coming in 10, maybe 15 minutes a night, if that, if that, and that's if everything works out great. So you're not talking about about a guy that you're going to lean on for major minutes. You're talking about a guy that can come in, fill Dwight's skill set, and, and continue that moving forward, right? Can give you that continuity where if Dwight gets in foul trouble, which in case you haven't noticed, Dwight fouls a lot. <laughs> Dwight Howard fouls a lot. But if Dwight gets in foul trouble, DeAndre Jordan can tag in, and you're going to get similar production. I will say I think Dwight is more productive right now than DeAndre Jordan is. But this is also kind of a last shot here. A last gasp, I think, for DeAndre Jordan. If you go back and you look at the comments about Dwight Howard joining the Lakers when he did a couple years ago, not even a couple years ago, but a year and a half ago, when Dwight Howard joined the Lakers, a lot of the same concerns were held by pretty much everybody, right, about Dwight Howard as they are right now about DeAndre Jordan. In fact, you added character concerns with Dwight Howard. Now, I do think Dwight and the way it worked out so perfectly is more of an outlier. I don't think that's the norm. I don't think that's something that's going to happen every single time. But I'm saying if we're looking at this from the, well, it's going to happen. Let's try to find the silver lining. What is the glasses half full approach to this? That's it. That you're getting that center tandem again that you had a couple of years ago. And this offseason has been very much about putting the band back together, hasn't it? It's been about bringing back former Lakers. It's been about bringing back Rondo, bringing back Dwight Howard, the guys who won a championship with you. That's been a theme. And so you're bringing that familiar skill set back with DeAndre Jordan. Was it the right move? Again, I still would prefer to go find a wing player. That was, that was my priority. But from the Lakers side, that's the positive that they're looking at. Uh, Angel Torres from YouTube with a super chat, super chat says truck driver watching right now. Thanks for, uh, helping keeping me up. Uh, you're welcome, but I hope you're not watching this while you're driving, man, <laughs> or at least just listen to the audio part of it. Because if you're on YouTube, that means you are, um, you are indeed watching the video here. All right. Somebody said should have picked up Damian Jones. No, Damian Jones, he is under contract with the Kings. So there was a $1.9 million team option on Damian Jones' contract. And the assumption was the Kings were going to decline that. But they surprised everybody and they picked it up. We thought they would decline it because they already had so many other centers. I mean, Marvin Bagley is probably more of a center uh, than anything else right now. And then you've got, you know, Alex Len, they added in, Tristan Thompson. Uh, they added other players too. So they they brought in a lot of people. Uh, Todd Jones is Kevin Love getting bought out. So here's where things are at. That's a good question. Here's where things are at, are at with Kevin Love. So the rumor broke that, okay, Kevin Love is probably going to get bought out. Like that's both sides are talking. That's not close, but the sides are talking. Okay. We can see where this is going. And then instantly the Cavs came out and said, um, uh, no, we're not going to buy him out. That's not, that's not what we're doing. We're not discussing that. And then Kevin Love said, came out right away and said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not even asking for a buyout. It came across very much like it was a leverage situation. Um, are they talking? I'm sure they've discussed it. I'm sure they've discussed a buyout, but he's got 60 plus million dollars over the next two years. That's a lot. That's a lot. And so you're talking about very big numbers in terms of a buyout. So the possibility for that gap between what the Cavs would want in order for them to accept the buyout and Kevin Love, would want in terms of how much he has to give back in order to get bought out. It's the possibility is there for those numbers to be very, very, very far apart. And so I think that's what's happening right now. Do those two sides inch closer together at some point and then something gets done. I think that's possible. I think that at some point it probably happens, but for right now it appears she's going to stay with the Cavs. Uh, John Jackson jr. Any word on Ennis? No, you know what? Look, 
James Ennis, and this is the guy who I think would be a great fit for the Lakers, can shoot from outside. He's got the size of a wing. And I think this is something the Lakers actually need is another wing player. If you look at their roster, I feel like that's what they're lacking. Um, you're going to rely right right now, the way things are set, you're going to have to rely on Trevor Ariza a lot in terms of defending the other team's best wing player. So, uh, like, for example, opening night, how many minutes are we going to see, by the way, October 19th, how many minutes are we going to see Trevor Ariza defending, say, Andrew Wiggins, who's, again, not their best player, but their best wing scorer right now with Klay Thompson out? I think Ariza is going to actually have to play a lot on, on Wiggins. Might get switched on to Draymond a little bit. And that's because the Lakers don't have many guys that are of that size that can get out there and check people on the wing. So that's going to be the challenge for the Lakers this season. And that's where I liked James Ennis as a target. We've seen him going around commenting or liking the social media posts of fans saying he should join the Lakers. But for whatever reason, has not happened yet. By the way, as of this moment, the Lakers, once they sign DeAndre Jordan, that'll be 14. That's 14 players. And we've heard they are not going to sign a 15th. And there's a reason for that. There's a few reasons for that, actually. Number one, it would cost them a lot to sign that 15th because they are into the luxury tax. You're not talking about just, okay, we're signing that guy for a 2.6-ish million dollar veteran minimum. We're only going to pay him 1.6 because the league actually pays for the rest of that. Um, When you add in the luxury tax, you're talking about millions upon millions of dollars that you're paying in order to get that player. Now, we also know the Lakers are going to be a player on the buyout market. Okay, so come March, players are going to start getting bought out and the Lakers are going to be one of the landing spots. So let's say you sign someone now to fill that 15th roster spot and that player, you pay that player from now until March and you're paying the luxury tax on that contract and then somebody gets bought out that you really want and then you have to turn around and just waive the guy that you signed to that 15th roster spot. Okay, and if the deal is guaranteed, which it probably would be, that means you're now paying that guy, the guy that you signed now for that 15th roster spot, you're paying him all season, and then you're paying the rest of his contract because you waive him, and then you have to sign the guy that got bought out and pay luxury taxes on that. That's where next thing you know, you're into eight figures in terms of what it costs you to have a 15th man on your roster, that's where it gets to be too much even for the Lakers. And so they say, okay, you know what? Let's just leave the 15th spot open. And then halfway through the season, when the buyout market hits, we're going to get a prorated veteran minimum. means we don't have to pay as much because as the season goes on, that figure gets prorated day by day by day. And so that's the plan right now. Leave that 15th roster spot open. So once DeAndre Jordan signs, that's it. Unless Mark Gasol... Marcus Gasol goes, and Davis Painter, perfect timing of the Super Chat from YouTube, thank you, said, when would we hear, uh, when would we hear by to know if Gasol is gone? Uh, where, when would we need to hear by to know if Gasol is gone, basically? So when we would have to hear by, I, I would imagine it's going to come before the season starts, um, roster cut down right before the season starts. So probably we're looking at October 15th, 16th, right in there. That's the latest possible. I would imagine we'll probably hear well before that exactly what's going to happen with Marcus Gasol. DeAndre Jordan signing on or joining the Lakers is not a good sign if you were hoping that Gasol would stick around. And again, the last, all we've heard, like specifically heard, was Marcus Gasol after USA beat Spain in the Olympics, Gasol said, I'm staying with the Lakers. Said, I'm playing next season. That's the last we've officially heard. But there have been rumblings. Mark Stein reported this that Gasol and the Lakers may still wind up going separate ways. And the fact that the Lakers pursued first, we're we're targeting Damian Jones and then targeting DeAndre Jordan and landing DeAndre Jordan. That tells you that maybe there's a disconnect between the Lakers and Gasol. Certainly not Dwight Howard because they just signed him. And will the Lakers really go into the season with three true centers that's all they can do i'm talking i'm not talking about a guy that can float between the four and the five if you've got deandre jordan dwight howard marcus Gasol, those three guys they can only play center that's it and one of your best players one of your big three is also probably at his best when he's playing center and of course i'm talking about anthony davis so to me it wouldn't make a lot of sense to have three true centers on the roster if you're the lakers so I think this DeAndre Jordan thing is a sign that things are coming to an end with Marcus Gasol and the 
positive, I guess, of that. I don't, I'm not a fan of seeing Marcus Gasol go. I think his skill set is actually valuable for what the Lakers have right now in their roster in terms of a five that can shoot threes. But the silver lining is now they free up another roster spot. So maybe James Ennis still come on down if Marcus Gasol does indeed part ways with the Lakers. They could also hold that roster spot open in case somebody in training camp really impresses them. Uh, Chandi Brown, right? One of my favorites. Who knows? But the bottom line is that as of this moment, when DeAndre Jordan signs, the Lakers are out of roster spots, assuming they stick with that plan of having 14 players and not 15. They have to have at least 14. Sounds like that's going to be the plan. It makes all kinds of sense financially. It makes all kinds of sense in terms of having that spot open for the buyout market. So I do believe that's going to be the plan. And if Marcus Gasol does not leave, if Marcus Gasol stays, that means the Lakers roster is done. It's full until we get to the buyout market in March. Even if it's not officially, because they will still have one open roster spot. Uh, Mamba Mentality from YouTube did ask, if Gasol leaves, will a roster spot be open? Yes. Yeah, that, and that's what we were just, just explaining there. Uh, somebody said, hey, Trevor, even if the Lakers get DeAndre Jordan, you think they should get Boogie Cousins? Uh, no, look, if they already have a logjam with Gasol and Dwight and DeAndre Jordan, it would be even worse with DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, if Gasol left, do you then bring in Boogie? Again, no. I, I don't see the point of having three true centers on the roster when Anthony Davis is going to get minutes at the center position anyway. I just don't see that. It doesn't make sense to me to go that route. I would focus on finding a wing player, and I like Boogie Cousins. I really do. But I would like to see a wing be brought in because that's what I think is the biggest need for the Lakers. Uh, Kendall Stroder from YouTube with a super chat. Thank you. I like our versatility, but do you see us playing any two-way guys uh, during uh, resting games and against under 500 teams? Love the show. Go Lakers. Hey, Kendall. Thank you. Appreciate that. So... Any of the two-way guys. So two ways, uh, we're talking about Austin Reeves and Joel Ayayi as of this moment. Although I will say, if you guys watch Summer League, Ayayi was not impressive. Now, I do want to kind of pump the brakes, though, and say he, it's, it's very possible that he's just the kind of player that feeds off of playing with better players. Like, he will look better playing with the Lakers than he would playing with the summer league team. That's entirely possible. So I want to kind of make sure that we put that out there before we pile on Ayayi. But Austin Reeves, Joel Ayayi, right now the two-way guys, are they going to get called upon? I doubt it at this moment. I doubt it. I think more likely, because the Lakers do have a decent amount of depth right now, I think more likely the Lakers just stick with the roster that they've got and you just add extra minutes to, say, THT, Malik Monk. By the way, how how crazy is it that the Lakers got Malik Monk on a veteran minimum? This dude was a lottery pick. Shot over 40% from three. He's 23 years old. Now he doesn't play any defense. I know. that's a, It's a problem. Frank Vogel's going to have to work on that. But he's talented. And the Lakers got him on a veteran minimum deal. That's amazing. But uh, THT, Malik Monk, you do have a couple of younger guys there that you can turn to, that you can put some extra minutes on. I think break glass in case of emergency. You've got some injuries, stuff like that. Maybe then you start to toss in the two-way guys, but most likely the plan is going to be to stick with the players that are on the roster right now. Uh, by the way, I want to talk a little bit about the depth, right? As of this moment, everybody's looking at the Lakers roster and saying, oh my gosh, what is Frank Vogel going to do? What is Frank Vogel going to do with his rotation? And there's been a push, by the way, Keith Smith and I talked about this the other day on the NBA front office show. There's a push within the NBA's offices right now to keep the COVID rule in effect where teams can actually dress 15 players. You don't have to only dress 12, uh, which to me makes all kinds of sense. And I don't, it doesn't make any sense at all to only be able to dress 12 of the 15 players you have on the roster. Why not dress them all, right? Just let them all play. Uh, if you can, you're not obviously not going to get everybody in every game, but why not at least have them there and available just in case. Anyway, so if you're the Lakers and you've got what looks like a lot of depth, I think we have to keep in mind that not all these players are going to pan out. For some players, age might hit them this season. That's possible, right? Uh, for other players, maybe they go through a shooting slump. Look, we said the same thing about the Lakers roster last season. Oh my gosh, they have so much depth. What are they going to do? Because us, from our perspective, we think everybody is going to be at the top of their game. Everything is going to work perfectly. Everybody's going to fit in the system. 
we're super optimistic. And that's not just Lakers nation. That's everybody around the NBA. All fans right now are looking at their roster going, oh yeah, this can work. This can work. That guy's going to work out perfectly. It's what we do, right? Eternal optimists. That's fandom. But that's just not the truth. It's not really going to play out that way. Look at last season. Wes Matthews had to get benched for a while. Uh, Markeith Morris had to get benched for a while because they just they weren't rotation players for a stretch. Well, they got better. But we need to keep in mind when we look at this Lakers roster, yes, it's deep. Yes, you've got plenty of veterans who can get the job done. But no, not everybody is going to work out and not everybody is going to get minutes. It's just the truth. It's the way, it's the way things go in the NBA. But that said, just because a guy doesn't work out, at the beginning, doesn't mean that he can't come back around and work out by the end. All right, let me get into a few more of your questions and comments. James Bell with a super chat said, I believe that THT is going to play more three while Trevor Ariza plays spot minutes and finishes with a closing lineup. James, I think that would indeed alleviate things a little bit at the swing position. I think that's really interesting. And I'm with you. I'm with you. I am on board with this particularly because of his ability to attack closeouts, if he can shoot well enough to get defenses to close out on him, right? That's critical. That's a big if. THT shot 28% from three last season. That's not good enough. You swing him the ball at 28% from three, defenses will go, eh, no thanks. And they will not close out on him. If he can get that shooting percentage up to league average, this is a big jump. Don't get me wrong. If he can get there though, 20 years old, going on a straight up trajectory right now. Uh, if he can get there, say 35% from three, just enough to keep defenses honest, THT on the wing, I think could work. He's got the size. Okay. Well, no, he doesn't have that. He's six, four, but seven, one wingspan that allows him to defend up to defend guys that are bigger than him. So I could see it. I could see THT playing the three. The only challenge is he's such a good ball handler, but who cares? Right? Who cares in today's NBA, whether your three is handling the basketball, whether it's your one, your five. Positions don't matter as much anymore. They don't. LeBron was, what, technically the point guard when the Lakers won the championship, but he's also defending threes and fours. Positions don't matter as much. So whether we want to call THT a wing or not, I think he certainly can fill that role and can be one of those guys for them to lean on. So I agree with you there, James. My only question is the shooting. Will the shooting come around enough? If not, you kind of need him at a guard position where he can create, where he's got the ball in his hands. Now, again, maybe you just have him bring the ball up as a wing, but THD, if that shot comes around, ooh, watch out. He's going to be real good. Now, if you saw on Instagram, and I post, I um, put this in a video that I posted earlier today to YouTube, THT's dunk, oh, oh, off the bounce through the legs, hammer dunk we're starting to see these training highlights right tht's dunk man he looks like he's got some spring in his step he looks like he's in great shape he is above everybody else he's the guy that i am most excited to see most excited to see tht because for a lot of the other guys we know what they are we know look it's going to be exciting to watch russell 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 westbrook (laughs) but we know what he is lebron i always love watching lebron but we know what he is THT is that question mark because he has so much upside, so much potential, and he's so young. I can't wait to see what he's added to his game. He's a guy where he's still adding stuff to his game season after season, right? So I can't wait to see what THT brings this season, preseason play. Oh, I am so thrilled to watch him get out there on the floor again. Uh, Adam Weaver from YouTube said, could THT start at the two? Again, the shooting right now is what's holding me back because that is one of the big questions about the Lakers rotation. Who's the two? I saw there was a rumor, uh, Dave McMenamin of ESPN a few days ago said Wayne Ellington could be the guy. I worry about the defense. We've been saying Kent Bazemore probably gets it. You could ask, I could have Frank Vogel sitting next to me right now and we could ask him and he could truthfully say he doesn't know. Because this is the kind of thing they're going to figure out in training camp. Who gets that starting two-guard spot? It is very much up for grabs, though. Could THT get it if his shooting comes around? His shooting has got to come around. Because you can't put 28% from three THT next to 33% from three Russell Westbrook in a backcourt together. 
There's also the issue of skill set duplication too with THT and Westbrook, where I think you're at your best if you do, and this is just on paper, if you keep them opposite. You don't put them on the floor together because both of them, and we're not saying THT is Russell Westbrook, but both of them have the same weakness in terms of the outside shooting. Both of them are relentless drivers to the rim. Both of them put pressure on. Both of them like to get into the paint and then set up teammates. Again, it's not the same guy. There's a lot of differences, but I'm saying their skill sets are similar enough to where I would lean not to start THT at the two because I think you get more out of him by offsetting his minutes with Westbrook's minutes. All right. Bordeaux uh, presents from YouTube with a super chat said, where did you get the replica trophy? So the replica championship trophy that I've got right here, uh, that, that is something that I got from uh, FOCO, the good people at FOCO who make all kinds of stuff. They also sent me, this is one of my favorites, my Anthony Davis championship bobblehead, which always sits right here as well. Um, yeah, so they've got all kinds of cool stuff like that, and they, they sent me that replica championship trophy, which I'm thinking might need to be a prize for the Lakers Nation Fantasy Football League, which we just did our draft for the other day. Uh, DW Nation from YouTube said, who do you think is the better center, DeAndre Jordan or JaVale McGee? Uh, JaVale McGee. I think JaVale McGee is the better center. Look, I mean, Team USA invited JaVale McGee and not DeAndre Jordan. Um, and JaVale, he's got history, obviously, his mom playing with the women's team, and that's just an incredible story in, in and of itself. But JaVale, I believe, has more in the tank right now than DeAndre Jordan. Um, but I'll also say DeAndre Jordan is getting half as much than what JaVale got from the Phoenix Suns. So, yeah, there's that to factor in as well. And look, there's people that are saying, I've got people in the chat right now saying, no, DeAndre Jordan is better. Look, I think DeAndre Jordan over his career had a higher peak than JaVale did. But right now, 2021, right now, today, I think JaVale's got a little bit more in the tank than what we've seen. I hope I'm wrong. I hope DeAndre Jordan is reinvigorated coming back to Los Angeles. I hope DeAndre Jordan is monstrous once again. I hope he's blocking shots. I hope he's getting up, throwing down dunks. I hope we see all of that. I'm just saying, based on what we've seen most recently, I think JaVale has a bit more spring in his step. That's it. Somebody said, you're wrong and used the wrong you're. Makes me feel good. (laughs) Um, Ashley Ralph from Facebook said, Hi, Trevor. Do you see Russ and Bazemore as the starting guards? Yeah, that is the team that I am... Uh, I'm predicting that's the guy that if I had to bet money, I would say Baysmore. By the way, that is not my endorsement to place this bet, but I'm saying if I had to bet money on this, I would say Baysmore is the guy that wins out because of Frank Vogel, because Frank Vogel is your coach. If it was Mike D'Antoni, I'd say, oh, Wayne Ellington, he's got it in the bag. He can shoot threes, right? But it is Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel is a defense first coach. He's defense first, second, third, fourth. Defense is what's on his mind. Kent Bazemore is one of the best wing defenders they designed. They signed. Okay. He shot over 40% from three last season, but it was on low volume. He is not the shooter that Wayne Ellington is. He's not the shooter that Malik Monk is, but he is a much completely different tier defender. Kent Bazemore is compared to Wayne Ellington, compared to Malik Monk. Look, Kendrick Nunn, maybe he gets into the mix, but he's kind of undersized there. To me, the favorite to be the starting two guard is Kent Bazemore. But I do think we have to pay attention to the McMenamin piece that listed Wayne Ellington as the potential starter. I think that we can't overlook that possibility. I will just say that to me, the favorite is Kent Bazemore, but that is not a lock. This is very much a position that is up for grabs. Uh, Somebody asked, why haven't they announced the DeAndre Jordan deal? Uh, It's a holiday. It's Labor Day. That's why. I I really think it's it's that simple. It's today's Labor Day. Uh, He has to officially clear waivers, I believe. And don't quote me, but I believe league offices are closed today. So I think it happens tomorrow. Uh, Marcus Frazier from Facebook. Trevor, do you believe AD will start at center this year? 
And Ariza and LeBron will be the two forwards. I think, I don't think he's going to start there. I think he's going to play more minutes at center, but I don't think he's going to start at the center spot. I just think over the course of the entire season, the Lakers just saw what happens when AD breaks down, when LeBron breaks down. They saw what happens in the playoffs when that happens. And I know we've talked about AD playing more center, but I still think you hold that towards the end of the season for the playoff run. You can still give him more of his minutes at center, but I don't know that you start him there. I think you still want somebody, you still want that buffer between AD and just full-blown center minutes banging against the other team's biggest, stronger player night in and night out. And I think Dwight Howard can do that. I think Dwight Howard can do that. My only concern, though, with Dwight Howard starting is Russell Westbrook. You have two non-shooters on the floor then in Russ and Dwight. Although if you've seen the workout videos, Russ hit like 11 threes in a row in one of his recent workouts. He also dunked all over like his trainers and his trainer's assistants in a video and was super fired up about it, even though they looked like, I don't know, like, like high school players that he dunked on. But he was very fired up that he threw down this hammer dunk. Um, look, if Russ could somehow shoot league average from three, great. Then that problem is certainly alleviated. But we're going to have to wait to see it. Right, We're going to have to wait to see it actually happen. Um, I'll also say NBA players, as exciting as it is, oh my gosh, he made 11 threes in a row. That's great. But Dwight Howard hits threes in warmups too. Like go watch, if you watch NBA players shoot around, like they rarely miss. When there's no defense, they rarely miss because this is just how ridiculously talented all of these guys are. Dwight Howard shoots threes as part of his warmup. Does he shoot very many threes in games? No, but he can hit them. So I... Don't fall in love with workout videos. Just like, look, we've already seen footage of Ben Simmons shooting threes and stuff in scrimmages. We've been seeing that for years. It doesn't mean he's suddenly going to start shooting threes. Just keep that in mind. Uh, Sean McLean from YouTube said, I would start Malik at shooting guard. Uh, with Westbrook and have none as my sixth man off the bench. None is the X factor on this team to me. I think none certainly can be. He can be the expert. He's that good. He's very talented. The Lakers, look, heading into the offseason, he was projected 10, 15 million a season. That's probably what Kendrick Nunn's going to get. The Lakers got him for five. They got him for five. And not because that's what his talent level is, because they're the Lakers, because he wanted to play on a winning team, because money was starting to dry up. The Lakers took advantage of the market. But he's a very talented player, so he very well could be the X factor here. I will push back on Malik Monk starting, though. He's super young, and he really doesn't play defense. The defense, look, I hope that changes, but the defense is a major concern. It really is. I think he's very talented. I think he's got a role on this team. I think his ceiling is very high, but he's got to get to at least average on the defensive end of the floor. And until we see that, I don't think you can start him. I just don't think you can. I think he's more of an off-the-bench guy. That's my take. Uh, Ashley Ralph said, Rondo and Howard played well together. I don't see Russ and Dwight not clicking. Yeah, look, that's that's the counterpoint, right? To me, being concerned about the lack of three-point shooting with Russ and Dwight on the floor together is that Rondo and Dwight work together. Part of that is Rondo is really, really, really good at throwing lobs, and Dwight is really, really, really good at finishing lobs. You know who wasn't really good at throwing lobs? Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> that did not happen very often. But Rondo's great at throwing them. I believe Russ can be good at that as well. Now, Dwight Howard, I do think it's interesting, right? Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, what do they provide? Lob threats. We're talking about what's called vertical spacing, okay? So we talk all the time about three-point shooting. We talk about floor spacing. And essentially what you are trying to do with three-point shooters, is force the defense to get out of the paint, right? Force the defense out of the paint so that that opens up driving lanes. But what a guy like DeAndre Jordan, at least in his heyday, we'll see what he's got, what a guy like Dwight Howard can do is they create vertical spacing. In other words, they're such a threat to catch that lob and explode to the rim that they suck the defense in and open up kickouts. So I'm talking about you will get into a screen roll situation, Russell Westbrook, drives Dwight Howard sets the screen Russ navigates that screen gets around Dwight is cutting to the basket you're gonna draw 
the corner defender to come in to tag Dwight because they're going to be so worried about that hammer dunk and that's going to open up the shooter in the corner. So it's vertical spacing. It's gravity, but in a different way than how we typically think of it. And that's something that the Lakers really valued. That's one of the benefits of getting a DeAndre Jordan if he can still finish those lobs. And that is certainly the counterpoint, again, to my concern about the lack of three-point shooting. If you can make Dwight a very consistent lob threat, if he's got that just kind of chemistry, that Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, or Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes chemistry where they've just got this mind meld and they can just get on the other end of these passes, that's where you can negate the lack of three-point shooting in the half court if you can consistently get that lob thread at the rim, that's actually going to open up shooters on the perimeter for you. So again, that's the counterpoint to my own, to my own concern there. Uh, Somebody said DJ averaged 15 rebounds a game when he was playing with the Clippers. How many minutes is he going to play with the Lakers? I would say probably not a lot. Probably not a lot. Look, he's a veteran. Hey, even Dwight Howard was only playing, what, 15, 16 minutes a night when he was with the Lakers previously. That's probably going to be the role. 15, 16 minutes a night, if that. If we see more AD at the five, then it's possible that DeAndre Jordan plays even less. Uh, Johnny Kilroy from YouTube with a super chat. Thank you. Do you know when or if Powell will have his jersey retired? I don't. I haven't heard anything on that. Um, It feels like that should probably happen, but you really got to be up there for the Lakers to retire your jersey. I do think it should happen. I think Powell is high enough, but it's at least a question, right? Like Kobe, two decades in purple and gold. Yeah, retire both numbers, which they did, right? Of course. Magic Johnson, meaning everything to the, the franchise. Kareem and Wilt and Jerry West. Is Powell that high? He's up there, but I think you could at least have the argument. I believe it should be retired. Okay, I'll say that. And I think that probably will happen. But I think it's at least a discussion you could have. Apex Predator. Hey, Trevor, practice should be more fun this year. Uh, Do you mean with with Rondo out there and Westbrook? You know they're going to be competing against each other. They're going to be jawing at each other. There's going to be some trash talk. Yeah, that's certainly going to be fun. Dwight Howard is a very fun guy. Uh, He's fun in practice and stuff like that. So that's another piece you can add in. I I just hope they have that bonding experience, right? There's that chemistry from the get-go. It's almost like they need what the championship team had, where they had that weird situation where they were stuck in China and they didn't know if they were going to actually play games over there or not. uh, and, And things were looking pretty dicey for a bit. That was an early bonding experience for that team and forced them to kind of come together and rely on each other. It's almost like you need something like that to pull this team together. And I'm not suggesting that there needs to be an international incident or anything like that, but I'd say they need to figure out a way to really bond quickly if they can. All right, we're going to do a few more and then we will call it an evening. Somebody asking, is DeAndre Jordan signed already? No, not officially, not yet. I think it's probably going to happen uh, tomorrow, though. Uh, Bryant uh, is asking from YouTube, can't wait. When is preseason? I believe off the top of my head, first preseason game, I think, is October 3rd. You guys can fact check me on that. But I believe it's October 3rd. Game 1 is October 19th. I'm already setting up my plans for that for the first game of the season. But October 3rd, I want to say, is the first preseason game. And again, I'm sure the chat will fact check me there in case I'm off. It's it's the fourth or something like that, but I'm pretty sure it's the third. Uh, The training camp will start up in September, though. Yep, I was right. It's the third. According to the chat. Uh, Somebody's asking, who is my second team? So my reserve unit, that's the problem, right? Because the Lakers do have so many talented players that it's hard to name a second unit because then it initially becomes, well, why isn't that guy part of the second unit, right? Because they have more than 10 guys that we would like to see out on the floor. So I'm doing this off top of my head, but if my starters are Russ, Bazemore, LeBron, AD, Dwight, if that's my starting unit, I guess my bench would wind up being Nunn, Monk, THT, 
Mello and Jordan. But then again, where's Ariza? I already said he's part of my closing lineup. So that's the challenge, right? Is that you've got other players who should be playing. And I didn't even mention Ellington, right? Who's in there, right? There's other guys that should be getting minutes in there. But off the top of my head, it would probably look something like that to combine some floor spacing with some defense and all the other things. Okay? And, and again, obviously I didn't mention Rondo either to handle the basketball as well. That's that's the problem, right? You name two different five-man groups and you're leave, no matter what, you're leaving out guys who can easily make an argument should be part of that second group. So that's what's going to be fascinating. How does all this play out during training camp? Somebody said they're watching while they're in an online class. That's right. Multitasking, learning a little bit and talking some Lakers. Nothing wrong with that, right? I'm a former teacher, so I give you my full endorsement there. Uh, When is media day? I want to say it's the 28th or 27th. That's off the top of my head, though, September. Uh, I'd have to go and look to, to confirm. Uh, somebody said, do you like the new rules? I'm assuming you're talking about the rules involving contact. Yes. If that's what you're talking about, I love it. I love those rules. I just, I'm worried about how consistently they're going to be enforced, but I thought it was ridiculous when we saw how often shooters were getting a defender in the air and then contorting and twisting into these unnatural motions in order to try to draw a three-shot foul. Or how many times we've seen guards. This is, and by the way, this drove me crazy for decades, right? I'm not talking about something recent. I'm talking about, I remember getting mad at Tony Parker for doing this. When guards drive into the paint and veer off course and hurl themselves into the nearest defender and get a whistle. That always drove me crazy as well. I remember back in the day, Tony Parker doing that to Andrew Bynum and me yelling quite a bit about it. So I hope that these new rules are enforced consistently and it's throughout the season. It's not like we saw at one point where the league said, oh, we're going to crack down on flopping. And they did it for like two weeks and then it kind of got forgotten about. I want to see this enforced consistently where you're no longer seeing guys get these just shady foul calls. These calls that, look, frankly, if you did this in a pickup game, you're getting laughed off the court. Right, Other leagues around the world are looking at the NBA and thinking, what are they doing? Right, I mean, look at the way the game was officiated in the Olympics, Olympics. And I'm not saying those were like the best officials ever, but look at how different it is compared to some of the calls that are being made in the NBA. I want to see that cleaned up. And so I am in favor of these rules. I don't want to see guys jumping sideways in an unnatural motion to try to get a foul. I don't want to see plays. I think this is what, if I want to sum it all up to one thing, If the play, if the success or failure of the play from the offensive perspective depends on whether or not the whistle blows, that should not be in the game. It shouldn't. The goal should be to put the ball in the basket, not get the whistle to blow. That's me. That's in my mind. Just a plain guy from YouTube with a super chat. Thank you. Said AD, Mello, Russ in the first quarter, LeBron to close. A.D. Mello Russ in the first quarter and then bringing LeBron to close. So what are you talking about? Not starting LeBron? Are you talking about that's part of your second unit? Is A.D. Mello and Russ as part of your second unit and then you're bringing in LeBron later? Okay. And, and that's true. Too. That's another point, right? When we talk about who's your starters, who's your bench rotation, it might not be a clearly defined five-man bench unit because there could be some mixing and matching there. And I think there will be. Right? LeBron's off. You can still have Russell Westbrook on the floor. Uh, Russ is off. You can still have LeBron out there. Maybe Kendrick Nunn is on. Maybe it's THT. There's a lot of mixing and matching there where you don't have to have an all bench unit. Uh, you don't have to run it that way. Uh, Jordan from YouTube. So, Trevor, I really like our chances against Brooklyn. We have length, experience, way more scoring than last year's roster. Do you think our scorers can match the Nets in scoring? Uh, I'll say no. I don't think so. Because, and that's not be trying to be negative. I just think the Nets have the best offense in the NBA. Okay? I think the Nets offense last season in the playoffs when they had at least two of their three guys healthy, that was the best that we had seen all season. I think they played basketball at the highest level that we saw 
and then the injuries really caught up to them. Now, I will say the Nets defense, though, is not on par with the Lakers defense. I will say that on paper, the Lakers defense probably slipped a little bit compared to last season, but the counterpoint is Frank Vogel, when LeBron and AD went down, the Lakers were still one of the best defenses in the NBA. Frank Vogel's a great defensive coach. So I believe the Lakers defense is going to be better than the Nets offense. The question is, can the Lakers offense be close to the Nets offense? I think it's just, it's fair to say the Nets are going to have the best offense in the NBA, right? Because you have three guys in James Harden, in Kevin Durant, in Kyrie Irving, where you don't have to run an offense. Your offense can be Everybody spread out and here, give this guy the ball and you go. And you're going to get an efficient shot every single time. They can take turns if they want. Here, Kyrie, it's your turn this time. Okay, KD, now it's your turn. All right, James Harden, now it's your turn. They don't even have to have an offense, right? The Lakers, they can do that to a degree with LeBron and AD and Russ, but that's not quite, they're not quite the pure scores that those guys are. So that's why I lean the nets on the offensive end. But again, the Lakers defense, I think, is going to be considerably better than the Nets defense. And that's where things can level out and the Lakers can perhaps surpass the Nets. Lakers will hurt the Nets in the post. Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, the the Lakers will have a size advantage there. Um, The Nets do still, I mean, look, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, these guys are physical players in the post. Uh, Nick Claxton, that's a guy that I like a lot. He's there too. They've got guys who can play in the post, but the Lakers will still have an advantage there because there's one Anthony Davis and the Lakers have him. Uh, Somebody said 26 days till preseason. I can't wait. I can't wait. Let's bring it. James Smith, do you think turnovers will be an issue this season? I hope not. I hope not. Look, you heard me all season long last year. How many times, if you you remember, just go and shout it out, what the name I had for Dennis Schroeder was. Curious to see if anybody remembers. What did I call Dennis Schroeder when it came to his passing? But in any event, we'll see if anybody gets it. Dennis Schroeder would throw a lot of passes that simply weren't there. They weren't. He threw a lot of passes that... He hoped they would be there, and they weren't. And so you had a lot of, not just turnovers, but out of Dennis Schroeder, you had a lot of live ball turnovers. And I wish this was a separate stat. There it is, the optimistic passer. You guys got it. Dennis Schroeder was the optimistic passer. Live ball turnovers and dead ball turnovers, it's two completely different things. Live ball turnovers, the other team is breaking the other direction. You have a much better chance of scoring off of a live ball turnover than dead ball. So not only was Dennis Schroeder committing a lot of turnovers, but it was a lot of live ball turnovers which can really hurt you the turnovers were a big problem for the lakers last season i'm hopeful that with an extra ball handler out there like like uh, westbrook rondo if you need to turn to him he's a guy who can take care of the basketball you're going to be in better shape there i if they don't improve there there's going to be some problems okay but on paper they should have improved there i like that so many of you are getting that I called him the optimistic passer. Thank you. That means you guys have been watching for a while. Appreciate that. All right, guys, let's do, let's do one more, one more, and then uh, we'll call it an evening here. And of course we'll be back on Thursday to do this again. Remember off season, we're going Monday nights and Thursday nights to do our live streams. Let's get a good question here. Somebody had, this will just be a quick one. Did Lakers ask Dudley to be a Lakers coach? From what we've heard, no, that was not the case. They, they did not, that was not something that they uh, approached him about. <laughs> Somebody said, welcome to Nets Talk with Trevor. Come on, guys. I was asked about the Nets and the Lakers and how they matched up. That's why I was talking about the Nets. Uh, let's see. All right. Jordan Moran from YouTube with the super chat. Let's finish off with this. Oh, it's another Nets question. James Harden and Kyrie Irving are going to be forced to defend because Westbrook is coming full force all the time. This is going to be fun. 
Uh, I wish you hadn't finished that, but this is going to be fun. If any of you remember, back in the day, the first time Dwight Howard was a Laker, the Now This Will Be Fun crew, that infamous magazine cover with Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, Pau Gasol, Kobe. Yeah, that did not work out the way that we wanted it to, but uh, James Harden and Kyrie are going to be forced to defend. I think this is actually key, and it gives us something to finish off with here. So James Harden and Kyrie Irving specifically, they're going to have to defend just like Devin Booker didn't. And I believe it was Gilbert Arenas on a podcast who made this point. He said, look, the problem the Lakers had against the Suns was not so much just that they couldn't shoot threes. Like that was a problem, right? They couldn't hit threes. That's a problem. The injuries problem, right? But you also let stars rest because guys on defense weren't worried about Alex Caruso. And Alex Caruso is great. But Devin Booker could kind of hide defensively on Alex Caruso. So by the end of the game, Devin Booker is still fresh because he's playing against guys that aren't attacking him, that he doesn't have to worry about all that much. When it's Russell Westbrook forcing the action, it's a little bit of a different story, right? Then you're wearing guys out. Then you're burning through legs. Then you've got a guy who say the other team's score, he's their shooter, and he's playing on tired legs at the end because he's been, been chasing Westbrook around because he's been dealing with LeBron James getting into the paint. I think the Lakers have more ability to force teams to defend them this season than they did in the past. And I think at the end of the game, that's going to make a difference. I think come the end of the game, you're going to see teams that are more tired than they were against last year's group. Maybe that matters. We'll see. We'll see. But I do think that is one of the benefits that this year's squad has over last year's team. You don't have as many guys that you can hide against on defense and kind of conserve your energy. And so then you've got more down the stretch to try to put away the Lakers. And uh, again, Gilbert Arenas was the first to really make that point when he was looking at Devin Booker and how he still had fresh legs towards the end of those playoff games, saying the Lakers weren't attacking him enough because they didn't have the guys to attack him. I think they've got players that can attack players that can make you pay if you're not scrambling to get out to them behind the three-point line, and that's going to result in a more tired opponent, which can be a really good thing for your Los Angeles Lakers. All right, everybody. Great solo show. Always enjoy doing these. It's gone. We've got an hour now. Appreciate all of you guys hanging in here with me and talking a little Lakers basketball. It's right around the corner. We're almost there. I can't wait for the Lakers season to start up again. Make sure you are subscribed to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications. We're putting out new Lakers videos every single day. And don't forget to subscribe to the NBA front office show as well. Certainly appreciate that. We cover the entire league right there. Keith Smith and I break things down across the NBA. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see you.